It's 11 minutes before the hour, and you are listening to Raven Radio KCAW Sitka. I'm Catherine Rose with Raven News for Wednesday, April 5th, 2023. One of the major ideas to emerge from the Enlightenment was that individual humans have rights. In Sitka recently, a group of students from all over the country spent a week exploring how rights might be applied to nature and what a legal framework respecting those rights might look like. KCAW's Robert Woolsey reports. If you have a legal right, you have three things. One, you can bring a lawsuit on your behalf. Two, when you bring that lawsuit, you have the right to have the court assess the injury done to you. And three, you have the right to be given relief from the court. In a classroom in Fraser Hall, once a dormitory for the Sheldon Jackson Training School, a mixture of about 40 mostly high school students and some older students are exploring a formidable new legal concept, the rights of nature. In this example, instructor Britt Gondolfi describes a scenario where landowners are suing an upstream polluter. Under current legal theory, those landowners can win damages. But what about the stream itself? The Rights of Nature movement is saying we need to be adding nature to the list of people that are harmed you know, in these kinds of litigation. The court will assess the injury done to the stream. They're going to put a value not only on the loss that the landowner and the community has suffered, but they're going to put a value on what it costs to restore the ecosystem. Once a high school teacher, Gandalfi is now a third-year law student at Loyola University in New Orleans and the Rights of Nature project manager for Bioneers, a nonprofit environmental advocacy organization. During the pandemic, local indigenous rights advocate Yakes Anatsis Tom Gamble gave a lesson on salmon to a Bioneers conference in San Francisco, and that was the genesis of this spring's summit in Sitka. Gamble says the rights of nature can be grasped by everyone from a five-year-old to a Ph.D. And some of our students recognize those rights without us ever having to explain more than you're an indigenous person, you're in your own home, tell me what you would protect and the rights of nature just become blatantly clear to all of them. Today's lesson is far more than an academic exercise. There won't be a test, at least not in this room. The test for these students will be taking the ideas home and putting them into practice to protect their heritage and way of life. Amaya Balbuena is a freshman in high school and a citizen of the Mashpee Wampanoag tribe in Massachusetts. She's determined to protect both her community's herring resource and what it represents for her culture. I grew up um, going down to the herring run and getting herring with my dad. And when I saw that they were dying out and the population was dying because of the cyanobacteria thing we have right now, it was really hurtful to me. And I know my community is hurt by it too. Our belief is the herring represent um, a new year every time they come. So when if the herring stops, life stops for us. After Gondolfi's presentation, the students break into smaller groups, one each for the Wampanoag, the Yukon Hlingit, the Hawaiians, and the Homa Nation of Louisiana. Their objective today is to draft a proposed amendment to their tribal ordinances that incorporates the rights of nature principle. It's to be modeled on the Ho-Chunk Nation of Wisconsin, who have adopted language that reads, Ecosystems, natural communities, and species possess inherent, fundamental, and inalienable rights to naturally exist, flourish, regenerate, and evolve. 
Talia Landry is the adult facilitator for the Mashpee Wampanoag in Cape Cod. She says teaching the rights of nature to high school students will help create the long-term commitment needed to see those rights established in law. Obviously, we live for the seven generations before and the seven generations after in implementing this concept within the tribal youth now and having them push this along. It's like going to be their life's work. So if you implement the youth to do something that's very strong now, by the time that they become adults, the, the initiative just goes all the way forward. So it's, you do have to start with the youth. Coastal erosion, we lose a football field of land every 40 minutes down there. Gabe Barnett is an 11th grader from the Homa Nation in Louisiana. He's watching his home disappear. It's due to saltwater intrusion from the oil and gas company because our land is sinking while at the same time glaciers are melting and like because of a climate change and the water's rising while our land is sinking. So it's like double whammy, just hitting us hard. Each of the four indigenous groups at the summit has a different issue. For example, the Homa have climate action, the Wampanoag have herring, and the Yukon Hlingit have language preservation. But the rights of nature is important across cultures. It's no coincidence that the Indigenous Youth Summit is here in late March during the annual herring run in Sitka Sound. The traditional harvest of herring hasn't yet been defined as a right of nature, but it's a likely candidate. The group learned about Sitka's millennia-old relationship to herring from Tom Gamble and tribal elders during a field trip to the blessing of Herring Rock in downtown Sitka. We call We're going to save it for our grandchildren. So some of the kids that aren't even here yet, they're not even born, are going to come back in 100 years. And you're laying the foundation, the very first foundation, to make sure that our lives will be protected forever. There are other activities that give the Indigenous Youth Summit a bit of a summer camp feel, a tour of a hatchery in the Raptor Center, and a trip out on the water to harvest herring eggs. But there is an intensity to this education that can't be overstated. The students huddle around their laptops and legal amendments like collegiate basketball teams in a championship game. The rights of nature won't be won overnight. There's got to be a strategy. This is Homa 11th grader Gabe Barnett again. What we can do about it is people need to wake up to it more than anything. People need to realize what's happening. Yakes Anatsis Tom Gamble has been at the center of conflict over herring in Sitka for a long time. He believes the rights of nature represents a new path forward for him and everyone who follows. Quarter of a century of fighting, I did not want that fight to be passed along to our youth. What we wanted to do is to hand them the tools necessary to, to conserve, protect, and to peacefully resolve their issues in harmony with all the groups that need them. Gamble says a 2024 Indigenous Youth Summit is already being planned. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. Federal fisheries managers are meeting in Anchorage this week to talk about Cook Inlet commercial fishing and salmon bycatch, among other big-ticket agenda items. Alaskans behind the Skipper Science app say they'd like to see more local and indigenous voices at the forefront of these conversations, and they see their program, heading into its third season, as one way to do so. KDLL's Sabine Pooks has more. Skipper Science has been around since 2021. Fishermen who use it log observations about marine weather and mammal sightings, as well as any other fisheries patterns or changes they notice while they're out at sea. This year, the app's creators are hoping to formalize that data collection process more so they have more concrete on-the-water information to hand to managers making decisions about their fisheries. Hannah Marie Garcia is a coordinator with the Aleut community of St. Paul Island, the tribal government that developed the app. 
the fishermen tend to be a little bit left out. And there is kind of this mystery a little bit in terms of fisheries management and how that can be, you know, an open door for our observers. The Aleut community of St. Paul Island's been working on the technology for years. In 2021, it joined forces with the Juno-based nonprofit Salmon State to launch the app. Since then, they've gathered two fishing seasons worth of observations. At least 10 reports last season came from fishermen in Cook Inlet. Lindsay Bloom with Salmon State says those observations provide important local context to complex and controversial fishing decisions. Skipper science is a way to bring the perspectives of local-based, Alaska-based small boat fishermen into the process where we do have challenges with representation. Local and Indigenous representation has long been a sticking point for the North Pacific Fishery Management Council, which makes decisions about fishing in Alaska's federal waters. None of the group's members today represent tribal entities. Last month, Governor Mike Dunleavy's appointment to the council drew criticism from tribal and subsistence fishing advocates, who said his choice to nominate another council member with roots in the Pollock industry was disappointing. At its meeting this week, the council is considering a hard cap on chum salmon bycatch, which could have implications for small boat fishermen in western Alaska. As it stands, fishermen who aren't on the council are largely left to weigh in in the public comment portion of the meeting. Garcia says they'd like to push that further. We're now working on pathways to include, you know, our observations and our data summaries into the report that do land in front of the Fisheries Management Council staff um, as an update. She says they're designing research methods alongside federal fishing managers to collect data from the deck to better understand the health and ecology of the fisheries. In 2022, she says they collected over two dozen samples from black cod to learn more about what the fish were eating. So that's like a specific fleet and a specific group of people that we tapped into that are involved in our network that aren't just reporting general observations. This year, they're hoping to collect data on water temperature from sensors attached to boats in Alaska's oceans. Bloom also says those kinds of observations can speed up the process of data collection to make it more responsive to the rapid changes happening in Alaska's waters now. I think what we we know now, um, certainly from from my perspective as a fisherman in Alaska, is that we need management that can be a lot more nimble and adaptive in, in real time than what we're seeing happening at the council. And that is where these thousands of small boats um, peppered across the ocean, sprinkled across the ocean throughout Alaska, can be incredibly helpful. Meanwhile, they're looking for more fishermen to get involved with the program this upcoming season. Cook Inlet fishermen who are interested will have a few chances to meet with the Skipper Science team next month. Bloom says they're hosting training sessions in Kenai and Homer in May, with dates to be announced. In Kenai, I'm Sabine Pooks. I'm Catherine Rose, and this has been Raven News on Raven Radio, KCAW, Sitka.